0: we're looking at automaker market caps in one chart and tesla is now market cap wise as large as toyota byd porsche mercedes bmw volkswagen honda ferrari uh, Stellantis, and gm dead alive that simple yeah
1: when it comes to deciding whether to invest in tesla or not there are many questions that are being asked The big one that comes up often is, why is Tesla's market cap the same as 12 other automakers combined? With the EV revolution on its way, which automakers are most likely to survive and who will be the leaders? What specifically are Tesla's advantages and what are differences between Tesla and Apple? Today, we have Larry Goldberg with us and he'll be walking us through this. Larry is a serial entrepreneur, angel investor and co-author of the book, The Decision Model. He's co-founded several companies, including one called Sapiens Decision. A Big shout out to Connecting the Dots, who published a YouTube video on this, which inspired us to review the topics ourselves. We'll be showing clips also from a podcast called The Compound, when they interviewed Nick Colas. Welcome, Larry. Thank you so much for joining me yet again.
2: Thank you, Herbert. I'm glad to be home.
1: Right, right. You just finished your trip across country and you came back and we've covered that a few times. So let's talk investing in Tesla. You are a big investor in Tesla, as I am as well. But the question people wonder is, is Tesla's valuation so high, especially when you compare it to the other automakers? So I wanted to just start with that with you. Why did you choose to invest in Tesla? And afterwards, we're also going to show some clips from Nick Colas when he was interviewed uh, by this podcast. He's the founder of Datatrack Research. Thank you, Larry. Let's start with that.
2: So my long-term uh, investment in Tesla, and it is long-term, I- you know, I think the the market gets very excited about daily movements. I am looking for a three to five year and even beyond uh, period um, in Tesla because I, I see Tesla as having an enormous uh, potential for the future. I see the future of automotive in both areas that Tesla excel in, and that is an EV, which really is a sector that Tesla created and continues to lead from a technology perspective, and uh, autonomy, which is an area that I believe Tesla is leading in, although we're still a ways away from there. So in both fields, uh, we are going to see a revolution. Uh, Akin to the revolution we saw when we moved from horse-drawn transport to automotive transport, you know, in in the early part of uh, the 20th century. And that changed everything. It was an enormous impact on almost our entire way of life. I think the move to EV and autonomous driving is going to be similarly revolutionary. I see Tesla as not only having invented both sectors practically, but also uh, being the leader in both sectors. For various reasons, but the most important reason of all is the um, DNA of the company being completely research driven and being first principles driven and uh, revolutionizing almost every aspect of the manufacturing of the EV, the design of the EV and ultimately the, um, the way the EV is sold into the market. And the way the EV is supported in the market through the charging network, all of these things give it an enormous lead in the marketplace, and the drive and the DNA of the company, I think, will maintain its lead in in both these fields. In addition, and one thing that perhaps hasn't been fully explored yet in its valuation, is that there are immense options in addition to full self-driving that the autonomous option within the tesla evaluation there is the opportunity for optimus and the opportunity for general um agi for 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 um machine learning and ai which really is still nascent it's incipient it's new it hasn't been fully explored yet. It's going to be enabling full self-driving or autonomy. It's going to be enabling Optimus. But the opportunities it presents and the optionality it gives to Tesla in terms of the products that it can generate are there. And in addition, uh, the energy business of Tesla, I don't think has been fully valued by the marketplace yet. So all these options, this kind of evolution and the DNA of the company uh, makes it, in my view, the leading, you know, uh, innovator in the marketplace today. And the marketplace, the market today, is led by innovation.
1: Yeah. So you clearly get Tesla, as I do as well. But many people don't see it that way. And yeah. let's take a look at uh, what how how some people look at Tesla's valuation, and be curious to see your reaction to this. So let's play this yeah. little clip.
3: Tesla is the paragon of new, new, and you know it from the valuation. And Tesla's valuation is like 800 billion. So let's just say that we only know that two car companies will survive over the next 20 years: Toyota and Tesla.
0: Seriously, we all know that. Yeah. Is that consensus? Is that why Ford and GM sell at five times earnings? Yes. I actually I did
3: a video on this, and I got a call from somebody I didn't know for had known for a while, but then lost touch with, who's now a senior guy at Stellantis. Okay. This is Chrysler and Yeah, was he like, Nick, c- can you stop? <laughs> no, he said, Why is my stock trade for a three P E? And I said because the market You ain't Elon Musk, son. <laughs> <laughs> because the market thinks you're gonna be dead in ten years. Yeah. That's the sum total. Same with Ford, same with GM. Yeah. That's why you have those I mean look when I covered the group it was ten to twelve times now earnings. Yeah. Now it's five. But you're
0: saying but you're saying you think that's right. You think the market is right. I think the market's more right than wrong.
3: D- so the, the the thing about those two comps is Toyota trades for, call it 200, 250, 300 market cap.
0: Tesla Outs- tra- outselling
3: Tesla in units by right. a lot. And Tesla trades for eight. So there's a gap of 500. So what, is, what does the market, why does the market give Tesla a $500 billion premium to the best car company in the world? Tweets. Tweets. No, brand though. Because they think they're going to be around. Yeah. And because of autonomous driving.
1: What do you think?
2: I think he gets it. I, I think you know we didn't touch upon energy, we didn't touch upon Optimus, and I think those are options that the market has begun to uh, consider. But you know the key is that Tesla is really this new new. It's the paragon of this new new. And if you look at if you look at you know the difference between say Apple and Tesla, uh, and and the video really deals with this. You know. Apple's all about sustaining innovation, little, little jogs of their, of their technology every couple of years. Tesla's all about changing the world every iteration. And so you get this enormous you know, revolution, not evolution. And I think that the market has placed a very high premium on that. So it, the market's made its judgment. What do I think? I agree. The only thing is I don't think the market fully understands it, the opportunity. I think we're still undervalued.
1: If you can, please consider supporting this channel. It's a lot of work arranging all of these amazing interviews. I've created a website that is the most comprehensive resource for the Tesla investor. It has over fifteen modules to keep you informed. Please check it out. Simply go to my website at herbertall.com. Thank you very much, and let's get brighter. Okay. So what he was saying is that People do see that these automakers and legacy automakers is going to be dead um, and they're not going to survive. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, you know, this idea of the EV revolution, it's funny because I was speaking to we invited uh, Gordon Johnson, he's a famous Tesla Bear, <laughs> and we had a sp- space with him, and he said that EVs are a niche. And I said, well, I love you Gordon
2: say Johnson. He he is probably one of the one of my best sources of amusement. I haven't seen much of him lately, but he is really funny. I mean, I will say that he is—he's got an incredible. He's got like a shark-like attack, and it's really wonderful to see. But he's—he's he's wonderfully
1: wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's clear at this point, right? I mean, even the market agrees that the EVs are not a niche. This is taken over. We're now at I think. Twenty plus countries have hit five percent of all sales are now above, um, uh, you know, are are now above five percent of all sales are electric vehicles. We have countries like uh, Norway that is at seventy percent. China is getting close to thirty percent, and the U.S. is at eight percent. So it's it's you know it's pretty well a done deal. Everything's going to switch to electric vehicles. But if you don't believe that, then I don't know how to help you, and so I don't know why people think that these OEMs. Have a chance. Um, I
2: think what's happening in China is determinative. I think China, Mm -hmm. you know, the rate of adoption in this gigantic market, it's very clear that that's the direction. And really, China's leading the way, and the world is going to have to follow. The world will follow because it's going to be incredibly difficult for OEMs other than Tesla. To match, you know, the Chinese juggernaut. Now, countries can put in all kinds of legislation and put in all kinds of barriers, but ultimately to survive, they're going to have to compete with the Chinese.
1: Exactly. And uh, you know, they were they're ahead of us and every other country is moving forward because they're adopting the same kind of incentives and disincentives for uh, ICE vehicles. Let's go ahead and sh- uh, play a little bit more of the clip and listen to what Nick Koulis is saying and get your reaction to it as well.
3: Industry globally is one of the most horribly structured industries I have ever seen. Yeah. Because literally everything that can go wrong with an industry goes wrong. Yeah. Um, mostly overcapacity. I mean, the global auto industry has capacity for 40% more cars
0: than there is demand. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So and partly they're a victim of their own success. They've made the car, as we were talking about before, they've made it so that the cars last longer. Yes. So, okay. your scrappage rates go down as your replacement rates go down. Right. John, can we chart, chart on, please, to the next point? This is from Drew Dixon, who is a value investor. He likes to talk about Tesla. Um, okay, he said, in these now-famous charts comparing Tesla's fundamentals and market cap to other automakers, we're looking at automaker market caps in one chart, and Tesla is now, market cap-wise, as large as Toyota, BYD, Porsche, Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen, Honda, Ferrari, uh, Stellantis and GM. The next chart is uh, revenue. The, 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 all of these companies are like, I don't know, 10x of Tesla, and they're the same market cap. Yep. Dead, alive. That
2: simple.
1: Yeah. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, he's right, of course. When you're, When your stock is valued at three times earnings or five times earnings, the market's telling you one thing. It does not expect you to survive. It, you know, the market's there to extract as much value as they can until you have to be acquired or the com- or the government has to save you again or whatever they have to do. And really the judgment call that Toyota will survive rather than, you know, all these other 20 or 30 or 40 auto companies is really a statement based upon the valuation the market is putting on these companies, and the valuation that the that the market is putting on Toyota is indicating that the market expects Toyota to survive. Now, you know, connecting the dots has done a really fantastic job in showing how Toyota's new announcements on what they are doing to actually adopt the Tesla approach is indicative, early sprouts of you know the potential for. Toyota to make the transition but the market believes in Toyota and the market is saying Toyota will survive but if you look at the valuation of the other companies I think Ferrari excluded uh, and Ferrari I mean the point I think the meeting makes is that Ferrari is really a, a luxury goods uh, manufacturer not a car manufacturer but if you if you look at the valuations the markets put on the others are not going to survive and I I happen to agree with the market's uh, assessment. So I agree 100%. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> Albert Bridge is always giving us these comparisons. I mean, when the market says that Tesla's worth the valuation of all these other European manufacturers, you know, the market has been saying this for a while. The market is very consistent, it knows what it's doing. Now, you also have to think about the Chinese companies. I mean, BYD is coming on very strong. They are now competitive to Tesla in terms of pricing and in terms of EV sales. And so, you know, they're a real threat to Tesla. But Tesla needs a threat. Tesla needs competition. There has to be competition. Tesla is trying to cultivate competition, if you will. I mean, they... They've opened up their supercharging network, and supercharging network is the enabler. None of these EV companies have actually given thought to this. And so it's very important that we see more competition. So I think BYD is definitely a survivor, as are several of the other Chinese companies. And I think, you know, Nick didn't really talk about those. He was talking about you know, the other global uh, companies, although BYD, I mean, the one thing BYD has to do is make some profit because, you know, right now its profit is a, is a you know, just like a tiny margin. I don't know what they do about that, but okay, Toyota okay. definitely has a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's funny that these are the, you know, what the bears, Tesla bears are pointing to uh, how is it possible that they're compared to that but this is exactly what happens to every other kind of transition to a new from a legacy technology to a brand new technology right you can do the same thing with dumb phones and smartphones how is it possible that apple iphone is worth this much market cap when nokia and blackberry are selling billions of dollars worth at what point i think nokia was selling two billion dollars worth of uh, sales and now they've gone but at that point that's what they're doing they're pointing at that right
2: i had the same conversation at the at the point of Nokia, you know versus uh, apple iphone i had the very same conversation it was it's like it's like an echo of that particular <laughs> conversation so yeah, yeah.
1: okay let's listen in some more to what they're saying
0: but i want like bankruptcy dead or just like moribund businesses that or, never like grow. Melt, yeah, melting ice cube or out of business <sighs> When the economies of the world are okay, they can survive.
3: It's the next two recessions that will kill them. Why? Because demand goes down for autos roughly 30 to 40% in a recession. And that's when you lose the ability to have free cash flow and reinvest. And if you're having to reinvest for EVs, you lose all that cash flow.
0: So you slowly slip away. Nick, a normal industry would consolidate given this picture and given these multiples. Um, Not that it would necessarily save them because we've seen that with the airlines, we've seen that with steel companies. But like these these companies seem to be like very fiercely uh their own brand, their own world. It doesn't seem like any of them would really have that I'm just going down the list. Stellantis is a bunch of mergers, so put that one aside. Nobody's buying Ferrari. Ferrari by the way, the stock is fine. So I I almost would argue it's a luxury good. It, is. it doesn't even belong in this. Yeah. Uh okay. Honda, Volkswagen, BMW, Mercedes, Porsche. These are I don't know, 75 to 100 year old brands, they're not, they're not doing deals with each other to survive. They don't look at the situation they're in as a survival situation. Yeah. Is that just because it's too early for them to even be able to understand what's happening to them? I think they all feel they would need to try they had to try, and particularly like Ford. Ford is
3: still family controlled. And the family wants to have that brand. Look, GM had the wisdom to sell their European operations years ago. Ford still runs Ford of Europe because the family doesn't wanna let go of the
0: franchise in Europe. So there is a lot of tension there. Um, The Japanese companies don't come here and acquire US automakers. They just sell (laughs) autos. That's that's all they need to do. Like, you're not gonna have that kind of cross-border thing to the extent that you would expect in this industry environment. And to your point, culture is a huge point. Like one of the last things I
3: did at First Boston was we were the advisor to Chrysler when they sold to Daimler. Yeah. And that was one of the worst mergers of all time. I remember, time. was that in 98? Yeah. I, right. I remember that one of the worst mergers of all time. And the cultural differences between the two, between the two businesses were profound. It's like Lee Iacocca, Chrysler. It was, yeah, Bob Eaton was the chairman at the time, but he'd taken over from Lee, but it was, it was Lee, but it was like Lee's culture that he had built. It was Lutz's culture really, hard driving car guy, you know, do the right thing, advertise, market the hell out of everything versus Daimler, which is we make the best cars in the world. Yeah. And that just never worked. And it was so obvious from day one and it never got better
1: all right so let's cover that right now um yeah so my thinking is that actually okay not every oem is gonna die so companies like ferrari and porsche there's they're a a great brand they're a niche maybe they will survive it's the big companies that are trying to sell mass market that's the ones that's absolutely gonna die they can't survive anymore what you what would you think about what his explanation is about how Two recessions that, and they're dead. What do you think?
2: I think there's a lot lot of truth in that. I, I don't see Porsche dying. I, I think Porsche, like Ferrari, are kind of in a niche of their own. They're, they're a luxury good, for sure, and they're a fantastic car. And they make a very good electric car. I mean, they're really working very hard to make ele- an electric car that people will buy. So I, I really think they're going to do well. Mercedes, I don't know. I just, I think they're on on the edge. BMW, (laughs) I think their management made some terrible decisions. Volkswagen are in serious trouble. Volkswagen are going to need a lot of German marks from the German government to keep them in business. They will probably get it, and perhaps they'll make the transition. So there's a lot to happen. You know, I, I think that the the actual future of the of the industry is extremely murky because when you get down to this kind of recession in the auto industry in the period of change to the EV, it's it's going to be a real you know battle at every level between labour and management. And the future is so unclear, what will emerge out of the wreckage is very, very difficult. I think Nick is making a broad generalization that I think is true, but I think to actually name names and to actually pick winners and losers is going to be very, very difficult.
1: Okay, good. Thank you for that. So, you know, when do you think When do you think that EOAMs are legacy ones like Ford and um Jam, When will they not be the same? When's the they next might recession? When's the next yeah.
2: And when's the recession after that? Look, we're probably in a form of a recession. We have been in various types of recessions. We've never seen an economy like this before because we haven't had a modern pandemic before. I mean, since, since nineteen eighteen. So it it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen at the macro level and therefore it's very difficult to uh, predict what's going to happen at the actual order industry level there are you know there are indicators of a recession uh, the interest rates are very high the level of government expenditure and government deficits are has never been, this this situation has never been seen before and we're in the middle of a european war so these are very, very complex circumstances, and they can lead to extraordinary outcomes. So I, I you know, I, I do look at Japanese recovery from their, you know, debt recession um, as a hopeful sign for the United States, but we have to go through a very tough period. And the issue of what's going to happen to the dollar as the world currency is going to be an issue uh, arising from this kind of splitting of the, the world, this re- retirement of the world from this, you know, flat earth kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So trying to see into the future is very difficult. But we are going to see various types of recessions in the coming decade or so and some of those recessions are going to be around the auto industry and they're going to be brutal so you can actually see the world in a recovery but the auto industry in a recession so i I think that what the market is telling us is that gm and ford the u.s automakers are in terrible trouble the market is also telling us that toyota is a survivor tesla is a winner uh and all the other water companies are at various points between those two gaps does that make sense
1: yeah no absolutely that's uh i I, i'm just trying to have a clearer understanding of when these oems because we know that you know when there's an exponential curve of electric vehicles being bought by customers at this point and we're seeing it at the early stages and then we know that the five percent mark is a critical mark. Once it hits past five percent, it's almost no turning back, and you already know that this industry is no longer a niche. Okay. And then what many people don't understand is what when there's an exponential curve going up, there's an exponential decline of OEMs. Now there, there's you know, there's an exponential
2: you... curve. Sorry, I need to interrupt. There's an exponential curve uh, of gas costs, not of OEMs. There's an exponential curve in the in the product. Now, the extent to which the OEMs are able to make the transition to gas cars, they will survive. The extent yeah. that they can't, they will not gotcha. survive. And that's a okay. matter of Understood. capital, foresight, engineering skill, and f- flexibility. That's that's the area that's cloudy for me. N- not. Not the exponential curve up and the exponential curve down. It is the players that are participating in those exponential curves that are very difficult to see. And, you know, the last time this happened in 1920, it was very difficult to predict. Well, it wasn't that difficult to predict. It wasn't that difficult to say in hindsight, but at that time, I'm sure it was very difficult to predict who the survivors were going to be.
1: Let me show this chart that you put together. Um, tell me what you think about it, which is this. So tell us what, why you put this together. You, we've seen this chart before, but you added the Great Depression here.
2: <laughs> yeah, this chart is the rate of adoption of technologies um, by US households using specific technologies. And if you look on the left, you'll see that you know, for the most part, Except for the adoption of electric power. Um, adoption was relatively gradual and, and the curve was not that steep. Electric power of the curve was extremely steep. Um, so and and the, the the problem in these curves is that they were interrupted by the Great Depression, which shows us that in an extreme depression, many of the um, you know new technologies are slowed in their adoption. If you look at autos, autos practically stopped, in fact, declined during the Great Depression. So it's very important to understand that, you know, that that was happening in in the history, in the great 20th century revolution. But if you look at the modern adoption of the modern technologies like smartphone or the computer, You'll see that the, the line is actually verti- practically vertical. I mean, there's hardly a, there's hardly a slope in it, which means that we've we've become used to adopting technologies much more rapidly. So you can expect the EV curve to be extremely vertical, particularly now that we're facing this you know ecological disaster of global warming. So the adoption rate is going to be very, very fast to your point. And it's it's going to overcome, it's, it's going to pass by these gas car makers. You know, if you think about BMW, who just three years ago were announcing this platform that's going to be both gas, diesel, and electric all in one car. I mean, they just didn't get it. Now they're having to make a change. Even Toyota has been a late adopter, and but it looks like they're becoming an intelligent adopter. I mean, the you know the 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 rate at which, or sorry, the the change in attack in their attitude has been quite dramatic. Whether it's fast enough and early enough, and whether they will be committed enough, that's an open issue. But what is not an open issue is the adoption by the. Japanese companies, and a little bit less, but almost as certain by the Korean companies. And that's going to change you know the global car industry dramatically. Tesla's is going to be a survivor. Several of the Chinese companies are going to be a survivor. I think Honda Kia, oh, sorry uh, uh, Hyundai Kia are going to be a survivor. And it's possible that one or other of the of the Japanese companies are going to be a survivor. I just don't see which European company survives.
1: Let's talk about that because I do not agree that Toyota will survive. I know that you and Nicholas agree that is. Let me just play another clip about can the OEM survive, and then we'll come back to talking about okay. Toyota specifically. Let okay. me play this clip here. What do does
3: the market Why does the market give Tesla a $500 billion premium to the best car company in the world?
0: Because they think they're going to be around. Yeah. And because of autonomous driving. Okay. but And none of the other companies are going to adopt the same technology that Tesla does? <laughs> Look at what happened with charging, right? Tesla developed a charging system. They won. That, they won that, that war. And they won that war. They beat the government, right? You, like the, I think the, the federal government wanted a s- certain standard. Yeah. And. Now, it's going to be Tesla's instead. Right. So, imagine that as a little tiny slice of a
3: story, and then put AV technology on top of it. Same kind of thing. So, you have Apple being sustaining, Tesla being disruptive. And I always chart, like, how does tes- how's Tesla doing over 50 days versus Apple?
0: And the peak for Tesla relative t- to Apple was end of July, right at the peak of the S&P. Wait, is there a world where GM and Ford uh, write down their investments in their own self-driving and just adopt FSD from Tesla? If they can't develop it, sure well i mean it's conceivable absolutely
1: okay so this is what you said at the very very beginning because you made a big point about (laughs) all these other option plays that tesla has and i'm glad that he said this because very few are actually talking about the fact that okay we're currently everybody's conversation including ours so far is whether or not you know these oems are going to transition from gas cars to evs but actually (laughs) When the transition you need to do is not just the EVs. You then need to also get autonomy. If that's the case, who's going to survive except for Tesla? Um, what's your opinion on that?
2: Well, I think the Chinese are working very hard on autonomy, and they're very bright guys. They, I think, they are alive to the opportunity and what they're, what can be happening, what what they can make happen. But that's not the only optionality we have with Tesla nick is very focused on that and nick is a you know he's an investment analyst and he was a trader you know he famously uh, worked for stephen cohen at sac capital and did extraordinarily well so he really is a trader he's an analyst as well and so those guys don't look out at the optionality of the technology beyond you know that which is really close and that's full self-driving he's not looking at you know, AI is not looking at optimus, And those are options which I think are even, as in, even more important. But to your question, I, I don't think that we can write off the guys that, don't use, that don't, aren't developing AI because I think Tesla is going to open it, just as they have the charging network, to other OEMs. And that's their, that's their road forward. You know, somebody said. In fact, I think it was a, an analyst, a, a recent analyst, said that. Well, you know, if they if they if they achieve autonomy, then that's going to steal from from their volumes of of cars produced because they'll produce far less cars. What nonsense! Even with autonomy, the demand for new autonomous cars are going to be Off the clock, Tesla will never be able to produce efficient vehicles, even at the 20 million mark or the 30 million mark a year to replace the fleet with or or to supply the demand for autonomous vehicles. So, yes, he's right. Tesla's going to solve it autonomy first. Yes, Tesla is going to be the leader in that field. Yes, Tesla is going to sell. 20 to 30 million vehicles with autonomy in them every year. In addition, I think Chinese are going to do well with it. And, and I think that other OEMs are going to adopt either Tesla's autonomous system or some other autonomous system. Does that make sense?
1: It does. Yeah. No, I like the way you describe that. Changed my mind a little bit there because of timing, right? It takes time yes. for this to get there. <clears throat> okay. Let's put autonomy aside for a second. <laughs> we really shouldn't, but let's put it aside for a second. And let's continue this conversation about OEMs and who's going to survive. The way I'm looking at it is there's a race to be the cost leader, just like what happened in the 80s, right? The Japanese started creating these incredibly low-cost but high-quality yes. cars. They came into the U.S., which had tremendous brand equity. People love Ford and Chevy and um, you know these other brands like uh, I think you missed one
2: thing though, Herbert. I need to interrupt you. You missed one thing. Yes, they produced high quality cars, but what they also produced was a form factor that the Americans never thought about. And that changed that changed everything because it made owning a car affordable at the lower levels of the, you know, the scale. So that was a very important part of that revolution.
1: Okay, and and so I think that at this point, and we're watching the, you know, like the manufacturing of cars and Tesla's relentless focus on automation of these factories and reducing the cost of these cars gives them that margin advantage. And we see the Chinese are trying to do the same thing and they're catching up. And this is the challenge for these OEMs, these legacy guys. They are not, especially with the unions that they're fighting, the dealerships that they're fighting with. And they're going to actually raise the salaries and so forth. So, why do we think that Toyota is going to survive? When number one, they're the last, they're the least, the last in last place right now. They have not created any EVs. They talk the big game, but they have no EV models in place. They themselves uh, kind of announced recently, just very, you know, uh, straightforward that they are so uh, far behind that they fired. The grandson Toyota and they replaced it. Now I know that they made this kind of um uh and they made this kind of announcement again where they're saying that they have a new model that they're working on, and this is this uh this very similar to the Tesla's unboxed model. So they showed this picture. So they're saying now that Toyota's reported that they're they're now going to make a car this way which is very similar to what tesla said so what you're seeing here is modules that connect together like legos and you can see that even the wheels are already connected here so they connect they created this part here then the part here and you can see that there's the batteries at the bottom and uh they're gonna connect them together so this is very similar to the unboxed model that tesla's announced but this is just a photo larry this is not may not be real they talk the big game this is a prototype uh what makes you think that toyota will survive
2: you know sandy monroe makes me think they'll survive sandy says they can turn on a dime and uh, you know they've hired joe justice i i mean i suppose they've hired a few other guys from tesla they are talking a game they have the resources they really do have the resources. They have the, it appears that they have the will. We don't know that, what the politics at the board level are. We don't know whether the will really does exist. But if the will exists, and if they hire the right people, the technology It's not a secret. The, 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 the methods are not a secret. The capabilities are not secret. I mean, Tesla gives it away, really. Uh, and so it's quite possible. It's quite possible they can make the transition. I'd like you to have some skepticism about it, but the market has not. The market is actually scoring Toyota as a survivor. And that, I think, is the basis of the thesis that, of Nick's thesis that Toyota is a survivor. He's looking at earnings, he's, he's looking at multiples. And he says the market scoring these guys as a survivor, the market scoring these guys as dead. So I'm not here to say, yes, Toyota's going to make it. I'm here to say they may be one of the survivors. I think Hyundai, Kia are going to be one of the survivors. And why do I say that? Because they've talked less, but they've delivered more. They've delivered cars that, you know, ahead of their competitors other than Tesla, they are, I saw the factory they're building in in, uh, Alabama. It, It is, it's a big factory i saw that, you know i see the seriousness of that of that competitor so i'm not here to tell you yes Toyota's is going to survive i'm here to say they're making the right noises you know sandy monroe says that they are going to turn on a dime let's see
1: there's a couple of points i can add to your argument Okay. <laughs> one is your comment about hyundai uh, that's exactly what uh, Corey Steuben who when he worked at Monroe and Associates and I asked them who is next in line to you know EV leadership after Tesla and he said it's Hyundai that's what he believes and they've te- they've torn down these cars and so they know that they he was very very impressed yeah. uh, with Hyundai's cars and then with Toyota you know I do know that last year they have a giga casting machine so that is something that they showed off that they started using last year so You know, maybe, maybe they'll pull something off, but I just don't think so. Um, I still believe that it's not just making an EV that the consumer wants to buy. You need to make an EV with the price low uh, because you're not going to compete with the Chinese. You're not going to compete with Tesla. And then something you brought back at the very beginning, which is the bots if we believe and again it's all about timing but when the bots start working at tesla's tesla's uh, factories
2: that's that their,
1: their cost even more and so by the time that ford or gm catches up and they start making sales of their electric vehicles they solve the union issues um at that point you have an ev but then the prices we're already seeing the tesla's model s and uh, model three are Already cheaper uh, than their competitors.
2: There's another problem I mean, to solve, and this really speaks against my point. There's a bigger problem to solve than you know the putting in the production and making the designs you know equivalent to Tesla's. The bigger problem to solve is the dealership network. Yeah, and that business model can't win in an EV world. It's the business model that is the reason for the failure of GM and Ford to sell through these products. And I don't know how they solve that. I really don't. I think that's as big a problem as the union problem for Ford and GM, but that problem is right there for Hyundai, Kia, and Toyota. So they have to solve that problem. It, it really speaks to how it's so much easier to go from the ground up to go from the t- tower the top of the tower down i think it's going to be an issue i think this is one of the reasons why the chinese companies have done so well is that they haven't got this tradition to deal with
1: okay let's bring back the conversation to the very beginning because everybody is comparing tesla to the car companies and that it shows you that graph which is famously showing how tesla valued this much You said at the very beginning, though, Tesla is not just a car company. They're an innovation machine. They're able to create new markets, break into so many different markets. You really shouldn't compare the two together. Uh, Tell me more about that. Tell me what you believe, because I just got off another big long call with Gary Black yesterday, and he keeps saying over and over again, these are people who are he's an investment analyst, um, portfolio manager, to be precise. But, you know, as an analyst, he says that I can only create my forecast based on actual products that are actually being sold with revenue, and he doesn't want to kind of just throw darts in and make guesses on what the bots are or or what's going to happen with full self-driving until it's ready to sell.
2: Herbert, he's he's absolutely correct. He's absolutely correct. If you are a stock analyst and you're advising a client on buying a stock, you value it based upon clear evidence of the product market fit, the market positioning, the sell-through, and all the other factors that lead to a bottom line that is sustainable and predictable. That's what analysts are there there to do. And by the way, that's why Nick Kolas is not talking about the bot. He's not even talking about energy. He's talking about the cars, just the cars. What the market is doing is something quite unique. It's doing for Tesla, what's not doing for almost any other company in the in in, 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 in the market. The public are placing a valuation on the future of Tesla's technologies that have not yet come to market that's extraordinarily unusual for a public company now for me it's not unusual it's, that's my business that's what i do day to day and that's what venture capitalists do from day to day it's what you know it's what uh, limited partners in in these uh, ventures do from day to day And so we have this extraordinarily unusual situation in the public markets where people are looking past just the product that's in the market that the analysts can make a good judgment on, and they're beginning to value, they are valuing, not beginning to value, they are valuing the future value of products that are not yet in the marketplace, but which the company has given an indication they're going to pursue. So Gary is doing the exact right thing for his investors. The exact right thing for his investors He's looking at the products that the company has, he's placing value on it. Gary's even valued the energy assets, and I'd say there are only a handful of analysts in the marketplace that are yet doing that. Whether he's doing it to the full value or not, we don't know. I mean, these are, you know, we, we've made guesses, our colleagues have made guesses, our colleagues in the uh, Prior, in 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 the investment in the retail investment community have made guesses but the analysts can't guess except for you know a handful of them so
1: just to clarify though gary black he, he he actually is is valuing the company uh just based on a car business alone maybe some fsd and some energy but he's his target is 320 dollars uh which is what to you know what's 250 today right it's percent uh, growth in the next six to 12 months based on the car business and so this, yeah. this what what you just said i don't necessarily agree which is that the market is valuing tesla beyond just the car business that is not true the market is valuing tesla based on the car business knowing that they're going to win the evs over the next 10 years up to 2030 discounted cash flow just that alone Brings it up to where prices now, and it's going to even uh, appreciate from there. When you then add in AI and energy and uh, bots, uh, robo taxi, that's when you're going to see a 10x. But it's not being valued into the company stock today. That's uh, my belief, and many people believe this case.
2: Uh, you know, I think that there's a very significant component of future value of the bots and and energy in that in that pricing. That's my belief. I don't think it's efficient. I think that it's nascent. It's still relatively new, but I think it's there. And I think the retail investor is valuing the stock at a higher price than the market. And that's why the retail investor is such a high percentage. It's not the actual price that they're paying in the marketplace. It's the percentage of the of the stock that they own. I mean it's the Of all the major companies in the marketplace, it is the one with the highest retail ownership. Why? Because retail investors see it valued at a much higher level than the markets valued at, And so they're a much higher component of the ownership of the company, notwithstanding that it's a massive uh, market cap. I mean, it's very unusual for retail investors to invest such a high proportion in such a large uh, market cap.
1: So. Okay. Thank you so much for Larry. Uh, for that, uh, great analysis. I love that you gave your feedback on top of what Nicholas says and basically agreed with what he was thinking and you added your own. Um, I know that we've had many discussions about Tesla stock already. And for people who don't know, you are a bull, a major bull for Tesla. But you're interesting because you think that the short term is actually going to take a little bit longer than most people do. But then... <laughs> in and, and the you know, midterm and longer you get really bullish and it's even much bigger than than most people are thinking so you're it's kind of that, that dichotomy about your perspective of things are
2: that's correct and i haven't changed my analysis in several years so i i remain very bullish i i was very very concerned about the peak when we were up at you know the uh the nosebleed levels that we were at two years ago, I, I I wasn't a believer that the price could be sustained, but I am a strong believer in Tesla at very significantly higher levels than it is right now.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you so much, Larry. So folks, follow him on X at Tesla Larry. Appreciate you. And I'll put more of his information in the descriptions. Thanks, everybody. Artigo, Thanks, David.